Here we are this morning. Uh, we have spent uh, literally the entire summer with Jesus. We have been, we called it Summer on the Mount. And we have been looking at this, this passage of Scripture uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the greatest, some scholars say, the greatest sermon that was ever given. Just the content that, <laughs> that we have covered this summer. We've, we've talked about the importance of our attitude, anger, worry, prayer and fasting. We've talked about lust, how to deal with revenge. And we talked about last week about judging people. Uh, and, and so a lot of the things that we have covered. And now today, as we close out this sermon series. Jesus, in his sermon, it's like he comes to a conclusion. And that's what I've entitled t- today's message, In Conclusion. In Conclusion. So when you, when you hear a speaker or a pastor, well, pastors are different because if they say in conclusion, that means there's at least 30 more minutes left of the sermon. But in, 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 when people typically say in conclusion, what they're gonna do is they're, they're gonna wrap it up or they're going to sum it up, or they're going to say, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom here, In conclusion, okay? And so that's what Jesus does here. And, it's, and so it's like he's, he's told us, he's talked to us about all these issues, angers, lust, da-da-da-da, and how to deal with them, how to move forward, how to follow Christ through all of these things. And he's saying, okay, I've given you all these, these directions, these life skills to follow. And now it's like, he, it's like he says, it's up to you now. What are you going to do with the information that I've given to you? What are you going to do with it? And so he says here, he gives us this parable to sum it all up. It is, there's many names for this parable, but I call it the tale of two builders. The parable of the tale, the tale of two builders. He says this. Verses 24 and 25, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes in torrents like this morning and last night, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Okay? And I want you to notice the difference between these two builders. second builder says this, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. It's like a person who builds a house on sand, and when the rains and floods came and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So, so Jesus is kind of interesting here. He uses construction. Everybody back in those days, they, they built their own house. I don't know if there's anybody here who's built their own house, but back in those days, they, you, you, you built your own house that you lived in. And he, so, so everybody understood the importance of a foundation. And he uses construction. Uh, a few years ago when we moved here, Wausau, uh, you know, we were looking for a home and there wasn't a lot of homes to choose from. But and so we would get these messages from our realtor online and we would just kind of look at the specs of the house and it would talk about square footage and layout, the date, the location and stuff. But it, never, it was interesting. The most important part, literally, any construction worker would tell you, the most important feature of a home is its foundation. Because you can have the most beautiful home in the world, but if you've got a lousy foundation, oh, man, it's, it's not going to go well. One of these days, it's going to show up. 
in that house, you're going to wake up and that house is imploded on you. So a foundation is what everything leans on to stay standing. And so you need a, a strong foundation. And so it is with your faith. Your faith is really the most important element in your life. If there's anything that needs to be strong, it needs to be your faith. And if the foundation isn't solid, then nothing else is. How many of you have discovered that? When, when your faith foundation isn't solid, how many of you have noticed that kind of everything else gets wacky-dacky? When it's not solid? And so this principle is true for our lives as well. When your life, listen to me, when your life is built on anything of this world that, that is not Jesus, it's unstable. Let me say that one more time. If your life is built on anything else that is not Jesus, you're living an unstable life. An unstable life. And, and some of you are like, oh, well, that's your opinion, Pastor. Well, I think it's Jesus's, that's his opinion too. So you can argue with me, but I don't think you can argue with him. And here's some things that maybe we, we build our, our houses upon, some unstable foundations. Come on, people. There's some of you, your, your foundation is on your political party. That, that's become your foundation. And oh, man. <laughs> That one's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt you. Because we, we've, if you haven't been around me long enough, you're going to hear me say, politics is really man's religion. That's the religion of this world. Some of you, your foundation is your job security. It's your finances. It's your health. It's your wealth. For some of you, it's your family. That's become your foundation. Or it's your relationships. And one day you wake up, and it's not there. And then what do you have? So as we look at a story, let's look, let's, look at a, let's look at some comparisons here. Let's look at some similarities. First of all, we have two builders. Similarities is each of the builders hears what is said to them. It's like Jesus said, okay, you know, attitude, lust, revenge. And, I, and so they hear. They hear the message. And I want you to know, each of us, wherever you are in your faith journey, the word of God says that you are born with the knowledge of right and wrong. You're, you're, you are born with the, uh, the, with the acknowledgement that there is a God, that he, he reveals himself in all of nature. And, and so we, we're, we, each of us is given a conscience and we sense the, this voice of the Holy Spirit that is speaking to us. The question is, are we listening? Another similarity is that each builder builds. And so like the builders, each of us is building a faith foundation. Whether you realize it or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, each and every one of you has been working on a faith foundation all of your life. It just all depends on what is that foundation. And each day we choose what foundation we build on. Another comparison, each builder goes through storms. If there's anything certain about life, it is the fact that we will all face storms, right? Every one of us, we will face storms. Storms are those things in life that we cannot control, that are completely out of control. They may come out of nowhere. We never saw them coming, and it's just like they take over. And they, we know this about storms, as storms reveal what is true in this world and what is not. How many of you have had some real-life wake-up calls because of storms, 
You're like, oh, I thought life was this way, and that storm came, and I realized, no, this is how life really is. And so they reveal, storms also reveal the strength of our foundation, as Jesus points out. So we see some similarities here. The the other thing is we see the builder's differences. We see the first builder, Jesus says that this builder is wise. He is wise. Now, Now, wisdom to me, Jesus doesn't identify wise people by what they know. Let's just catch this. Jesus does not identify people by what they know. Jesus reveals wisdom by what they do. Boy, get that. It's not so much what they know. It's what they do with what they know. You see, Jesus said this wise builder, he listened and said, you know what, this is, this is good counsel. This is good direction. I'm, because this is so good, I mean, I see the benefits of this. I'm gonna follow this. Yeah, I'm gonna live this. This is, this is life transforming. And so that, there's that builder, but then there's a second builder, and, and Jesus said that this builder is a fool, is a fool. And, and, and I think many of us can look back. I, I look back in my own life. I confess, there, there's some days where I really was living a foolish life. In other words, to me, a fool is somebody uh, who is, is they ignore what is right. They ignore it. And there's times when I knew what the right thing to do was, but I just, uh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know why the reason? I'll tell you the reason for that is because I had this thing in me, and I don't know if any of you else deal with this, but I had this thing in me, this thing called pride. And pride always communicates, I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way. You would not, just a side note here, you would not believe how many funerals I have attended where the main song that people wanted played at their funeral was, I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra. If you ever had that song played in your funeral, I'm walking out, okay? I'm, walk, I'm like, no. Because that is the epitome of pride. How many of you dads out there, you got your kids a swing set for Christmas or you got them at that swing set? And you, you're undoing all the packaging and you got the instructions and you did this. <laughs> all right, let me know how that works out for you. And we eventually, guys, come on, let's, let's confess many times because I want to do it my way. I don't want to be told what to do. That's really what pride is. I don't want to be told what to do. I want to do it my way. And how many times have we had regrets in our lives? We look back and say, oh, that biggest regret came because I wanted to do it my way. The third thing is we see the results in this story. So when the storm struck, it revealed the strength of their foundation. The first house, it it stood strong. Why? Because it was built on a firm foundation. It was solid. The second house, it fell down. Why? Because it was built on sand. It had a weak foundation. The exact same house, exact same house, different foundations. One stood strong. And one fell. And so this is a comparison that Jesus gives to us. He compares the truth of his word. 
That's what we just have studied here the past, for these past few months here in the Sermon on the Mount. We've studied the truths of God's word, and when we apply them to our lives, yes, that's what brings us life change. And so we see that it's solid. It does not change. It will last forever. We see that we can trust this foundation. This foundation will always sustain you. But then Jesus compares ignoring his truth to building a house on sand. If you are here today and you're a construction worker, you're already shaking your head. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. If you're a contractor, you're like, oh, my word, what are you thinking? Oh, sure, you got a pretty ocean view. <laughs> but that ocean is going to come up and it's going to own your home. Don't do it. Don't do it. Anybody ever have any foundational issues in their house before? You have a beautiful home, but you got foundational issues, and all of a sudden you got cracks in your walls and everything is coming in. It's unstable. And that's what Satan wants to do. You can have a beautiful home on the outside. You can have a beautiful life on the outside. But if your foundation isn't set, it's because you have believed the lies and you have believed the half-truths that Satan has given to you. And this is what we know about this. You cannot trust that foundation. It's always changing. It's always shifting. This foundation is going to let you down. And I believe it's this foundation explains why so many people today are living in a constant pile of rubble. Did you ever feel like that before? Did you ever live in that? It's like, oh, I just feel like the whole world is caving in on me. So, What's my point? So if, if this parable is true for us today, then how do you build a faith foundation for your life that will last? I'm glad you asked that question. A few years, years ago, I went on a missions trip to Mexico, a working mission trip, and they worked our tail off. And, and so it, it wasn't one of those things where you just call in the cement truck no, 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 it was one of those, those things that you make the cement yourself. And guess who they gave that job to? Yes, that's all I did that entire week is I shoveled the sand, I shoveled the gravel, I put in the water, I mixed it up, da-da-da-da-da. You see, there's three really crucial ingredients, and you need to put them in the, in the right measurements. If you want to have a solid foundation out of that concrete, you need water. You need gravel or sand. It's kind of an aggregate. And then you need the cement mix. And you need them to be put in the, in the right thing. And you need all three of them together. If you just do water and sand, if you just do water and a cement mix, man, it just, it's not going to work. You need them all together. And I would say to you, like this concrete, I would say to you, I, I think there's more than three. I, I, I made five just because I couldn't make up my mind, which was more important. But I think that there's five. You will allow me five building essentials for a strong spiritual foundation. Will you let me go through these real quick? And some of this is gonna be like, I know that. I know that. But let me, let me talk about it here. The first thing that I would say, the first crucial ingredient is what I call daily worship. What is worship? Well, worship is, is what we just did here this morning but, but I would, I would want to challenge you and say this, that, you know, worship, 99.9% .9 of the worship you give to God is done outside the doors of this building. I, I just want to give you a different paradigm of what worship is. 
And some of you are like, what, 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 what? No, 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 no. Because the, the word of God, Paul tells us that your life is an act of worship. What about us here singing songs, that's just a great thing to do together as a corporate body, but 99.9% of your life outside the doors of this church is worship. But here's what worship is. Here's what worship can become. Worship is that person or thing that we consistently give honor or reverence. It is that person or thing that is the, the object of our affection. It is the, the, the thing that we pay most attention to. What is that thing? Could, wait, wait a second. Could it be one of these? The thing that we are, that's constantly before us can become a thing of worship. It's the thing that we depend on to bring us fulfillment or happiness. It's the thing that we love the most. Let's face it. All of us Every single person in this room, whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, you're worshiping something. You're worshiping something. The question is who or what is it? The prophet Ezra says this in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and he gives, what he does is he gives us this reality check. We need reality checks by reminding us who deserves all of our worship. He, he does this. He says, he says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens. Everybody say everything. everything. Everything in the heavens and on earth is whose? Yeah, you lost, we lost the enthusiasm when you saw that word. Everything. So a lot of you are asking a question. Some of you scratching your heads. Everything? Everything is God's. It, 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 oh, Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. You know what it just happened right there? You know what that was? That was a reality check. And I'll tell you this, that's why we will always start off our church services with worship. Because how many of you, 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 you come and you've had fights in the cars and fights when you're at home and you're fighting with each other and then you, everybody's like, all right, we're going into church and everybody, you straighten up and be nice to each other and you walk in with a big smile and you're playing, like, good to see you, pastor, and good to see you. But you're still kind of like, and how many of you have noticed that all of a sudden the paradigm changes during worship? Because during worship, we are reminded who he is. And when we are reminded who he is, we are reminded who we are not. The psalmist tells us this. He says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You see, God is a jealous God, and he wants your worship. What does this look like? I would say this. This is what worship looks like. First of all, it starts with recognition. He is God and you are not. What if every, every morning, I, hear, I knew of a pastor who slides out of his bed. He doesn't even get on his feet. He slides right to his knees. And that's his way of giving God worship. He starts off his day, God, you are God and I am not. So it starts with recognition. It starts then with attention. It's you giving him undivided attention. That is you turning off the noise turning off the distractions and saying, God, I give to you my 
attention. And then it's giving God your affection. That's, when we, that's what we just did here. We give him praise. When we lift up our hands, some of you are, are new to this church, and, and you leave here, and you're like, man, that is a clappy, happy church. They clap at every song. And, it, and man, are these guys really that insecure that they need clappy, happy all the time? And that's not what it's about. What we're doing is we are giving praise to God. When we get, can we do that right now? Let's give praise to God. That's what we do, and we lift up our hands. Lift up your hands right now, and we're giving praise to God. This is no different than what you do when you watch a Packers game. You do the same things, and we give praise to God. We're giving him the attention that he deserves, and then we give him appreciation. We give him thanks. We give him thanks for who he is, for what he's done, and what he's going to do. I want you to remember this. Worshiping God is the most powerful form of spiritual warfare. Most powerful is because you're taking attention away from the enemy and you're giving it to God. So we're talking about, we're talking about essentials here real quick. Daily worship. The second thing I would tell you is God's word. So if we're going to be like that wise man that Jesus is talking about, and if we're gonna be listening to God so that we can live our lives with a strong foundation and live in wisdom, how can you do that if you don't know what he's saying? How can you know God until you get to know God? How can you obey God until you read how you're supposed to obey God? And that's my challenge to the church. Church, the, the challenge in today's church world, not Thrive Church, but church all around, the, the biggest challenge right now is the church has become biblically illiterate. And we don't, people, people don't know what they believe. They just know what their pastor believes. But how about you? Do you know what you believe? I, I, some of these days, one of these days I'm like tempted to just give a false sermon and see how many people would notice and recognize. But I'm not gonna do that, because that would be wrong. But God's word, listen to what God's word is. It says here in Psalm 119, your word, the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to, to, my, uh, a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Here's what God's word is, for, quickly here. It's a source that reveals the truth of who God is. You see, if you don't, you need to know who God is. You, know, you need to know what he has done, what he has said, what he can do, and what he's going to do. You can know those answers to those questions. It's all in your Bible. It is a guide on how to live our lives the way that he is intended. Remember that instruction manual that we throw to the side? This is the instruction manual for building our foundation. Number three, it is God's texting app to all mankind. Every day, do you know that every day you received a text message from God? How many of you knew that? You receive a text message from God. If you got a text message from your spouse, well, you, you would be checking that. You would be all over that. You, you would be all over that, right? Like, what did he say? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. My guy's like, I, I, I'm sending you a text message every day, and uh, you got to open it up because I'm talking to you. 
What do I challenge you to do, church? Let's not be that biblically illiterate. Let's make him first. What, what if you, just what if, what if the first thing you did was you climbed out of bed and slid onto your knees and you worshiped God? What if the second thing that you did after you made your cup of coffee and you sat down as you opened up the word of God and you just read one chapter? What if you, what if you said, I'm not just gonna read this like I'm supposed to, I'm gonna study this because I want to. What if I did that? Let it become you. Let it shape you. So the first ingredient is daily worship. Second one is God's word. And the third thing is prayer. Prayer is connecting with God. It is talking to him. God created you to live in connection, in relationship with him. And the way that we do that is through prayer. We connect to God by talking to him. How do I know this? Because I just did it a few hours ago. I just had that time where I was talking to God and people are looking out their window. Who in the world is that guy with a spotlight on and it's raining outside and he's got a reflector vest on? What's he doing? I'm talking to God. Stop interrupting me. First Thessalonians, Paul tells us, pray, talk to God, live in connection with God without ceasing. Don't take a time off from God indulge in him. I want you to know when you pray, God hears you. God cares about you. And God intervenes. Understand the most powerful thing you can do here on earth is to pray. But in order for us to pray, we're creatures of habit. And I would challenge you, church, right after you're done worshiping God, right after you've spent time praying or reading God's word, that you find a time and a place. You schedule a time and a place. My lead pastor that I grew up with had it on his calendar each and every day. His secretary knew that he could not be interrupted because he was having his prime time with God every day. What if we scheduled time for God just to talk to him? But we need to put ourselves into position and we need to turn off the noise and start talking to God. I would encourage some of you, if you and, and sometimes talking to God can be a challenge and I only have a few moments here, but I have learned that the, the template, if you will, or a guide to pray and I pray through the armor of God and it leads me through my prayer time with him. Or if you, if you, wanna, if you can look this up, look up the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And, let, and learn how that can become a template for how to pray, and that would be for another message. The fourth ingredient that I would say to you, so we talked about daily worship. We're talking about these ingredients. We need this, we, and then mix it all up with daily worship, God's word, prayer, and then the first thing, the next one I would call live it, our obedience. So when you start to talk to God and you start to worship him, you start getting into his word, this is what's gonna happen to you. Don't be surprised by this. When you start engaging with God on a daily basis, this is what he's gonna do. He's gonna start talking to you. You're gonna start hearing him. And he's gonna become very apparent to you. And he's gonna tell you to do things you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And then you're going to have this decision to make. I could ignore it, which really is disobedience, or I can do it and see what God's up to and be a part of it. We had that decision. But indecision is a decision. 
We can't just... So we can't just say, oh, I got great faith. God, just build my great faith. If God builds you great faith, he's always going to give you something to do with that great faith. Listen to what James tells us here. He says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. If a body was laying here on the platform and there was not one, not even one speck of movement we would say that that body is dead, right? If there's no movement, it's dead. Let us not be people where there's no movement. You can have all the faith in the world and believe in miracles and do all these things, but if there's no movement, your faith is dead. It's not alive. And so, again, as God begins to talk to you and you're engaging with him, he's going to tell you to do things. And I'm telling you, you want fulfillment in your life? You want excitement in your life? You want to have the peace of God in your life? Start doing what he's calling you to do, what he's telling you to do. And I have no doubt in my conversations with Chuck in the past few months, that's exactly what has happened. And when you talk to him about CR and how God has spoken to him about, watch his eyes light up. Don't you love talking to people that when they start telling you what God has told them to do and they start doing it, their eyes begin to light up. And so we have these ingredients, daily worship, God's word, prayer, obedience, and then we have this last part I call grow together. In this Acts 2 church, this very first church has started very first church, it said that they worshiped together. Everybody say together. They worshiped together at the temple each day, kind of like this. I don't know exactly what it looked like, some kind of auditorium like this. They worshiped together. And then they met in each other's homes for the Lord's Supper. They would worship together in each other's homes and they would fellowship and they would share in God's word together. They would share meals together with great joy and generosity. Understand this. God has created you to grow. More importantly, God has created you to thrive. Don't you love that slogan? You've been created to thrive. Created by God to thrive. God has created the church to grow. God has created the church. Not, not thrive church, but the kingdom of God. God created the kingdom of God. God. God's greatest desire is that the kingdom of God would grow and that God wants as many people to be with him in heaven. Many people. And so, I believe, it is my personal belief, my personal experience that we grow stronger when we grow together. Where do I get this idea? Well, we get it from the Acts 2 church, the very first church that started, but also we look at Jesus' disciple. How many disciples did he have? 12? How many, how, how many did he refer to as his favorite? You know, he had some favorites, right? Three. He had a life group. Do you know Jesus was in a life group? Jesus is the originator of life groups. And that's why life groups are so important to Thrive Church because I believe with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will grow stronger in your faith journey if you will choose to grow together. 
And I, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you that in, in these coming weeks here, as we begin to unroll life groups, get into a life group. And can if I just put a plug in for my group that I'm going to be doing here, a group called Alpha. And I, I want to challenge you, church. I'm go, there's going to be a, a group where we're going to watch these videos together for people who are searching God. I'm not there yet. Don't push me. But I have some questions. I want to create a life group for these people. I want to create a life group for the 715. I want to create a life group for your neighbor, your friend, your brother, whoever it is who's got questions. I'm not there yet. And we're going to do life together. Watching these videos, having faith discussions. See if God shows up. My point is, get into a life group. Get into a life group. Don't hold back. Some of you, you, God, we talk about obedience. God is calling you to be a life group leader. I would encourage you, take that step of obedience and step into that. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Some of you are here today and you're like, Pastor, and I really feel like God is talking to me about my foundation. And you're right. I feel like I've been living foolishly. I don't want to start walking in wisdom. I want to start applying these steps that you talked about to my life. I'm going to start, I'm going to start my day with daily worship. I, I'm going to get up. I'm going to set my alarm earlier. And I'm going to get up and spend five minutes, five minutes. And I'm going to study God's word. On my way to work, I'm going to turn off the noise. I'm going to turn off the app. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to learn how to talk to God. And then as he begins to speak to me, instead of me like, I'm going to start obeying. I'm like, okay, God, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. And God, I'm, I'm going to take the pastor up. I'm going to get into a life group because I need to grow. And if it's not you who needs to grow, there's probably somebody in their group that needs you to help them grow. So there's no way out of it. And so, Lord, I pray right now for those who are here today. And it's like, I've been missing some of those steps. I've been undisciplined. And I feel like my foundation is shaky. I pray right now that you would just begin to speak to people all around this room, people in the 715. They're saying, Lord, sure up my foundation, Lord. I want to grow in you. Maybe there's somebody here today. And something or someone else is your foundation and it's not Jesus Christ. And you know that you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You know you can do that right here, right now. Those who are watching online, I want you to know it's just as simple as calling out to him. Will you pray with me right now? Just say, God, I need you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I recognize what you did for me on the cross But you didn't stay there. You rose again so that I can have life eternally in you. Be my Lord and Savior. I choose to make Jesus Christ the foundation of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If Jesus is the foundation of your life, will you give him praise right now? In Jesus' name.